0: Hello everyone, today we're going to be talking to a father from British Columbia who was told by the British Columbian Supreme Court that he had to refer to his daughter as his son or he could be convicted of family violence. That's coming right up, stay with us. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Jonathan Van Maren, and this is the Van Maren Show on LifeSiteNews.com. Those of you who follow along with this show will remember that a couple of weeks ago... I interviewed Abigail Schreier of the Wall Street Journal on her book Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. And if you haven't listened to that interview, I really would urge you to give it a listen because it's an absolutely essential conversation about what the transgender ideology is doing to children and as a result of that, what the transgender ideology is doing to families. Each one of these girls obviously has a set of parents. Most of those parents love their children very, very deeply. In fact, Abigail Schreier went on with Joe Rogan a little while ago to discuss the same thing. So this message of how damaging the transgender ideology is is really getting out there. One of her chapters discusses the impact of what girls are going through on the parents discusses how they react to their beautiful girls wanting to take puberty blockers wanting to get double mastectomies for perfectly healthy breasts want to essentially mutilate themselves and transform who they are and she talks a lot about how heartbroken many of the fathers in these cases are and today we're actually going to be talking uh, to one of those fathers his name is Robert Hoogland as a result of indoctrination, of discussions with a counsellor. He's not exactly sure where the genesis of her belief that she's transgender began, but his daughter began to identify as male, and throughout a custody battle and a messy legal battle in which a radical activist lawyer represented his daughter. Without his permission, a judge on the B.C. Supreme Court demanded that Robert Hoogland refer to his daughter as his son to use her preferred pronouns and utterly eliminated his ability to have his views known or his views followed. Uh, in her decision to medically transition to attempt sex reassignment surgery. And so without any further detail, I'm going to let Mr. Hoogland share his story for himself. But I want you to keep in mind as you listen to this interview that there are thousands of parents like him undergoing the same thing. You can read more of their testimonies in Abigail Schreier's book. You can go to the website Fourth Wave Now, which has tons of testimonies from parents who have undergone this. He is just one, and I hope you'll agree with me that his story is both powerful and heartbreaking. Here's my conversation. All right, just to start off, Robert, maybe uh, start at the beginning and tell us how your story started to unfold. Yeah, hi, thanks for having me on. Um, You know, at the
1: very beginning, I I didn't really know what was going on in terms of where I am with this whole thing with the transgender and my daughter today. When, when my daughter was in grade five and six, I know she was having a lot of difficulties in school, not not academically, but just getting into some trouble, hanging out with the boys. Uh, you, I ended up deciding, you know, maybe we need to uh, connect you with a school counselor, which is what happened. And, and at one point, she came up with a safety plan uh, in, in grade five and in grade six. And, and I assume that, you know, just like regular, typical kids, this was probably the right way to go. This was the solution. Um, <laughs> And, but of course, what I find out later, and it kind of comes out in court documents, is what I didn't know that was going on behind my back during all these different phases and years. And just to kind of uh, fast forward a little bit, um, there was coming into grade seven. There was a point in time where all of a sudden I realized my daughter was wearing a toque, and and I kind of looked in the, in the in the garbage can in, in in the washroom, and her hair was in there. Hmm. Again, I come to learn later through court documents that she had watched a couple of videos. One called "Boy" out of Sweden, where where a girl does exactly this, uh, same thing, and then another one called "Handsome Majestic," which is actually, I believe, produced uh, locally here in BC. And and so she was being shown these propaganda videos, uh, convincing her that you know maybe there's something to being a, a boy. Um, during her grade seven year. Uh, she developed a crush on her on the male teacher. It was her first male teacher in elementary school she 'd had women teachers the whole way through. Uh, this came to my attention because it became such a problem that actually the uh the principal you know got involved and in, because we had to put a stop to it because it was obviously a bit uncomfortable for this teacher and and so uh, looking back i 'm thinking well that 's somewhat normal, maybe not normal that i 'm getting a call from the principal but but girls do have crushes on male teachers so at that point in time I'm not even looking at this as a she wants to be a boy matter and but then at the end of grade seven the the school yearbook comes out and they have a different name for her in the yearbook Um, again comes out later in court documents that her uh, her name was changed by the school counselor and they didn't even tell me. I, I remember calling the school at the end of grade seven. I was furious. And they kind of treated me as if, well, obviously, the, I mean, this wasn't new to them to be able to do this stuff. But I mean, as a parent, I'm thinking that they can't do it. But they just kind of, you know, shrugged it off as if, and obviously what you find, come to realize too is that this is just normal behavior for them. They're, they're used to changing names and, and getting away with this stuff. And so I was obviously getting concerned at this point again, I thought, okay, well, she's going through puberty now and she's, you know, just kind of playing a role. You know, some kids do different things. You know, they want ponies or horses or who knows what they all go through. And, and so my ex-wife during the summer before high school, going into grade eight, I guess I was talking to the high school and, and they're setting up programs at the high school where she can Pretty much have like a special washroom and will be treated, I guess, uniquely differently to accept this role that she's, in my mind, was playing as, as a boy. Right. And, and at the same time, my ex-wife comes out and says, "Well, I found this wonderful counselor, a, a Dr. Wallace Wong, and I know nothing about him." Uh, she says that uh, yeah, he I've is. Yeah, heard an his name
0: expert.
1: before. Yeah, Dr. Wallace Wong, and she says he's an expert in all things transgender and he'll do this this extensive assessment. And I thought, okay, well, he's an expert. This is good because we can get, put this in the rearview mirror. We can get beyond this. Obviously she's not a boy. I mean, this is absolutely ridiculous. And of course I come to learn later that the school was the one that set this all up with Dr. Wallace Wong, who happens to be uh, a psychologist who is always um, working with these kids. And more or less i think his his rate of, of moving them into you know children's hospital is is pretty much 100 percent and so anyway so we're she, my daughter is working with this guy i i meet with him once and i'm again explaining no she's got certain issues this is what's been going on in school and in fact as we got into the into her grade eight year uh she had another crush on the pe teacher uh and, uh, and I explained this to Dr. Wong as well. And I said, well, she had, I mean, how can, how can you even be suggesting that she's a boy? And then he comes up with this insanity and says, well, she's a gay boy or she's a girl, but she's a boy, but a gay boy. And just anything to make it fit the narrative. I mean, it was, it was absolutely ludicrous to me. And uh, and I wasn't too happy with him. So
0: this is, the teacher, uh, this is the teacher that got caught instructing kids on how to lie to their parents to ensure that they would get to transition, correct, Dr. Wong?
1: a so Dr. Wallace Wong, yes. Yes. Yeah, that's a psychologist. Yeah, that comes out later. Yeah, he gets recorded in a public library in Vancouver doing, doing a speech. Um, so anyway, so, my, so I find out that my daughter has attempted suicide a couple times. I don't think it was a serious attempt. She was, she was eating some beads. Uh, And on on the cover of these things, their first scent, you put them in the house and and I guess they emit an aroma. And as soon as I found it, I took her down to emergency here in Surrey, British Columbia. She met with a a registered psych nurse, down at emergency, my daughter that is. My ex-wife was with me as well. And and the reason that she was feeling depressed was because of the rejection actually from this grade 7 male PE teacher. Because she actually got kicked out of the class. For her behavior. So again, it was very overt with what she was doing. And and, uh, and of course, they sealed those files, and I haven't been able to unseal them. And my ex wife and all the lawyers on the other side that I'll come to tell you about shortly here uh, won't unseal them. But in, in court, they said that these suicide attempts were based on the fact that she's gender dysphoric. That was not why, that was not the reason. And, they, and if that was the reason, they would have been unsealed in court. Because obviously they would have wanted to use that. So anyway, so, so we quickly meet up with Dr. Wong again after this attempt. And, uh, and he says she's a prime candidate for cross-sex hormones. And, and he does it while my daughter is in the, the same room. So she's now like a kid in a candy store. It's all she can think about. I was, again, not very furious with this guy. Because you don't, you don't mention something like that with, with the minor in the room. This, but of course, I'm not realizing the whole agenda at that time. And I'm just thinking common sense says you don't, you don't do that. Um, so anyway, so I'm continuing to look for actual mental health solutions. I ended up taking her to a program called Start where they're saying, you know, take, take a rubber ball in your, in your hand and squeeze it or, or some kind of a wristband that you can pull like a rubber band. Like different coping skills to deal with, you know, these mental health issues. Uh, but of course, my daughter has kind of been told now, that this is her problem. This is the solution is cross-sex hormones. This is why all these different things have been happening. Dr. Wong kind of made that pretty clear. And But, he, but she needed a second referral. So Dr. Wong refers her to BC Children's Hospital, to the endocrinology unit over there, uh, where, they do, where they do the cross-sex hormones. And it's a, it's a Dr. Brendan Hirsch over there. And so I ended up going to my family doctor, at the time because I'm still looking for mental health solutions. I'm thinking, well, maybe she can get some kind of an antidepressant. Maybe there's a a solution here. Maybe she needs something like that. But family physicians don't like to prescribe that kind of, those kinds of drugs to children. So he, again, was kind of restating some of the stuff Start had told me, coping skills, go for walks, you know, do different activities and things like that. And of course, my daughter right away is bringing up this cross sex hormones. And so my family doctor kind of, he, he's not familiar with any of this. Um, in fact, he was close to being retired. Um, I, I don't think this had come across his uh, him at, at any time before. So this is brand new to him. So he gets his secretary to look up this referral form. So we, so so it gets brought in and we're going through it. And this referral form makes it sound like it's going to be an extensive process. They're going to be seeing a psychiatrist. It's, it's going to take months. And, and again, I think, okay, well, maybe Dr. Wong is off his rocker, but you know, now we're at BC Children's Hospital, we're gonna get a psychiatrist, and we're just gonna straighten this out. I mean, this clearly is is the wrong diagnosis. There's nothing here that would lead me to suggest switching sexes. Right. So, and that was kind of in the, uh, just before the summer of uh, 2018. So in the summer of 2018, uh, my ex-wife and my daughter do go to BC Children's. They do have the first appointment, and all of a sudden, I'm I'm at work and I get a call from my ex-wife, and she says she goes, Rob, um, they're about to give her testosterone. And I said, what What are you talking about? It was her first visit. So much for all this extensive uh, assessment. There was nothing there. They were going to do it on the first visit, and, and I said, absolutely not. And, and so it was stopped. And I think part of it is because these teams that, that do this kind of work, figure that if they can get the father on board, that's a much easier way, we'll, we'll get him to, we'll, we'll meet up with him, our team, we'll convince him why this is the right thing to do. Uh, so, so they did stop it, and, and then uh, my, my ex-wife drops me off what's called the, the consent form, uh, which really is just an informed consent form, I find out later, it, it doesn't really, my consent doesn't even matter, it's just me consenting to the fact that I understand what they're going to do no matter what I say. And in this consent form, it mentions, talk right off, it says this will sterilize your child permanently, it's going to cause heart defects, it's going to cause osteoporosis, Wow. Um, this will not change your DNA, and in fact in this consent form it even says this is experimental and we do not even know the outcomes. That's it. in the form. It's in the actual form from BC Children's Hospital that my my daughter and my ex-wife signed that day. Yeah. So how can you consent to that? How can you consent to something when even an adult wouldn't know what they're consenting to? And now you're you're, you're saying a minor can consent to this. So I refused, and I held out for quite a while. Um, I had their team try to get a hold of me, they wanted me to come down, and I said, I've done my own research, it's not happening, I'm not consenting. Um, I was harassed by a social worker who was part of the team. And, uh, and ironically enough, at one point I said, if you, if you keep harassing me, I said, Eventually, I'm going to take you to court, and I'm going to tell all the media what's going on. Um, not knowing back then that I was going to be able to deliver, but um, right. so it just so I get a letter now from BC Children's. It's authored by I don't. It's signed anyways by Dr. Brendan Hirsch, and in this letter, it pretty much says that I have no access to my daughter's records anymore under under the BC Infants Act they are just gonna go ahead and do this and there's nothing I can say. I no longer have any control over anything to do medically with my daughter. Uh, But they do say, I have two weeks to respond in court. And this comes out, this is just before Christmas. So from the summer till Christmas is when I got this letter of 2018. (coughs) So come, so I mean, my first reaction is, uh, I mean, of course I think it over a little bit, um, like, what are my resources? What am I going to be able to do? So I'm I'm mulling over my options, knowing that uh, they've given me two weeks to go to court. I'm thinking this is going to be an easy win. I mean, what judge, in in his or her right mind, is going to allow a child to consent to, you know, cross-sex hormones, especially with these kinds of outcomes? You know, sterilization, all the the other risks. I mean, of course, when your daughter reads this stuff, she's not looking at that. I mean, she's looking at the fact that her voice will lower, which is also permanent. Her she'll lose her hair. She won't be able to get that long blonde hair that she had back ever again. Uh, and of course, their vagina uh, doesn't mature anymore. I mean, it, it pretty much stunts your, your growth at that moment. And 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 you end up with what looks like a little penis. It's not. It's just because your growth is stunted, this little kind of growth comes. In. I mean, it's and these kids, how can they understand this stuff? So I go into provincial court and I file what's called a notice of motion in BC Provincial Court. Um, at that time, I, I ended up meeting up with uh, with a woman named Angelina Ireland because uh, I have someone, in, a, a girlfriend at the time, knew her, and she's a bit of, and she's an activist, and and uh, she was aware that I had gotten this letter from BC Children saying they were going to do this under the Infants Act, and apparently nobody had seen this letter before. They had, you know, there had been rumors, and a lot of people said, oh, they'll never do it, they'll never go under the Infants Act and do this to children. And there it was. I had it. I had that letter, and and so she introduced me to a, a fellow who's a transgender man named Jen Smith, who, who I'll talk about later because of the whole um, national inquiry stuff. That's that's kind of the most current thing going on. And so he interviews me, and, we, and it gets into the post millennial, and he puts a lot of the information that's that's in that letter into that. And uh, and so the next thing I know, I've got the JCCF involved. Uh, and they connect me with a lawyer named Herb Dunton. And so Herb Dunton becomes my lawyer, and he was my lawyer throughout the entire process. And and so we went into provincial court, and and he was there representing, and we got two quick injunctions in provincial court, more or less to get it into BC Supreme Court, because the BC uh, Infants Act is is not something that is covered under family law, it's it's different, so it has to be dealt with in the Supreme Court. So about a month later, we end up in BC Supreme Court, and we're putting together a petition to have this heard, and we're looking for another injunction so we can get all our, our experts together, our doctors, uh, and we're in front of a Justice uh, Bowden. And and, and and at the same time, my, my daughter has now lawyered up, which technically she can't do without a parental consent. And she's got this lawyer named Barbara Finley, who is an activist
0: over here. She's the one who spells her name in lowercase letters, isn't she?
1: She even brought that up in court one time because I had used uppercase and apparently she was quite upset about that. Yeah, so Barbara Finley is known to be an activist lawyer. She works in that in that community. Um, you know, she she pushes for the transgender rights, and obviously this isn't her first case. She was involved in a case in Prince George, another one in I believe in, um, in Delta, where there were other kids that were transitioning and she had won both those. And uh, <clears throat> And what she had always done is she had put these kids on a pedestal and, and, the, and the father or the parents in both cases just came across looking like terrible people. It had worked. Um, so the backup before BC Supreme Court, what happened that was interesting is uh, the National Post got involved early on. Uh, Doug Kwan was a reporter. He's with the Star now, but he was with the National Post at the time. And he sat in on both court hearings uh, in provincial court. And in fact, he sat in on all the court hearings. And he put out a front page story in the middle of January in the National Post on a Saturday. And it had about three or four pages inside as well. And so all of a sudden we had national and in fact to some degree international attention on this. And It was actually a very fair story. And, and what happened in that story when you read the feedback is that everybody was supporting me and they were appalled at what was going on with my daughter. Um, and I, they were not used to that. And I think it was a game changer because I did come to learn later from my ex-wife that at that moment... They changed their strategy completely. Hence, when we get to all the gag orders and silencing of myself and all these different things that, that came along. Uh, so, anyway, so in front of Bowdoin, Bowdoin is only asked to for to give us an injunction so that we can get our experts together. Well, instead, he makes a ruling. And he rules that I have to refer to my daughter using female pronouns.
0: Um, female he also rules pronouns.
1: That, or male pronouns, sorry. That any he, any he rules that my daughter can change her name legally, which children aren't allowed to do. That she can change herself in the Canadian vital statistics. Um, and uh, and he says that I'm not allowed to dissuade her. That I can only affirm her and cheerlead her on in this role. And to do anything otherwise would be considered family violence, which is a criminal matter. And and I said in that that interview, which which. Um, Came out in the Federalist is that I w- I cannot refer to her as, as a male because biologically she's not. It's it's an illusion. And and I and I went on to mention how this is simply they're using her as a guinea pig in a giant experiment against medically transitioning children. None of this is even proven. So I was pretty quickly brought back in front of another judge named Justice Mazzari. And Justice Mazzari has ties to to uh, West Coast LEAF, which is a pro-trans and women's and, and group, very biased. And and she comes down and she makes a ruling that says that uh, she essentially weaponizes the Bowdoin ruling. And and what she does is at the end of it all, she comes up with a protection order against me that says I can be arrested if I break any of the stuff in Bowdoin's ruling. I can be arrested without warrant by the RCMP and held. Uh, for and be brought in front of a BC Supreme Court justice. So no, not even any grounds, not even a warrant, nothing. Just suspicion, bring me in, and that was it. And that was what I sat under until the Court of Appeal. And, uh, and I didn't, I, I, I remained silent because I knew we were working our way into the Court of Appeal, which accepted our, our case. And at this time, I also added another lawyer, Carrie Lind, who's a family law lawyer. So now I had two, two lawyers. Uh, working together, and uh, but of course, Herb was the lead lawyer on the, on the matter. He was the one from the beginning when I've been there. So we end up in finally in September of uh, 2019, we end up in the BC Court of Appeal in front of three justices: uh, uh, Madame Fisher, uh, and Chief Justice and Self Impact, uh, which was Chief Bowman, and another uh, Justice uh, Groberman, and. And so over three days, they're hearing both sides of the argument, uh, and at the end of it, they they walk back in and, and say, well, your daughter can continue taking cross-sex hormones while we while we deliberate. I mean, of course, I know by this time it's too late. I mean, the minute Bowden allowed her to take those back in February of, of 2019, I mean, she was on them the next day, and and I've seen the changes. Uh, they're pretty irreversible. Of so. Uh, so again, I, I remain silent until that ruling comes out, and it comes out in January of this year, of 2020, and, and they tone it down. They take off the protection order. They give me a conduct order, which is civil now, and it's no longer criminal, and, and the one piece of good news that they did give, because they still said that under the BC Infants Act, that my daughter could essentially choose her medical direction, which is continuing with, with cross-sex hormones and, and operations eventually. And so, but what they did say that was, that was much different than what we had gotten out of the Bowden ruling is that no longer was it up to the child to decide what was in their best interest. It also was not in the court's um, ability to decide what was in my child's best interest. It was simply up to the doctor, meaning mm. Dr. Breland Hirsch. Um, and what they had been doing is always saying, well, if the child wants it, we just give it to the child, essentially saying, if this is what the child wants, this is, we're just serving the child's best interest, but right. no more. And so to me, that's actually a fairly significant uh, change, because now this puts these doctors on notice, and, and you see a case now in England where this girl is suing, right. and saying, why did these doctors, just because I said it, allow me to do this, it ruined my life
0: they can't slough off responsibility if they're legally responsible for the treatment of these kids undergo. That's it. Mm. And so I think,
1: and so what Herb Dunton and and Carrie Lynn and I really liked about this ruling is that this now opens up that door down the road. When these kids start getting to that same age as where these kids are now in England with this contagion, that they can come back now and, and sue, you know, these doctors. And, and I think that's going to be the next thing that happens, which is going to be what hopefully puts an end to this nonsense, if we can't do it sooner. And, and and the other thing that I got of it was was um, was these judges did say that I had every right to dissuade my daughter. So that flies mm-hmm. in the face of, of confirmation, uh, all this going against. Aff-
0: Affirmation or she'll kill herself. Yeah.
1: I It was such a play on words from the left. I mean, really, you're trying to affirm your daughter in her natal sex and they call affirming, you know, living in real, the delusion and confirm yes. And, what they simply said is, I had every right to dissuade her and present her with, with any evidence, whether it's scientific or however I wanted to do it, to convince her to change her mind, uh, which had been taken away from me by Justice Bowden. He said, I had no right to dissuade her. Or that was family violence. And they also took away the family violence part of it. They said, this is not criminal. This is
0: not... A- right, thank goodness.
1: So, So some good came out of it. I mean, it doesn't change you know, where my daughter is. I mean, this is irreversible. I mean, the damage is going to be...
0: So has your case wrapped up? Like, where where are you at right now?
1: So what happened is, is that after all of this, um, I finally broke my silence. And I broke it about a month later, even though I was still under a conduct order. Um, And so I did a bunch of interviews with uh, different Canadian outlets. And and they aired them. They quickly all got letters, and they were all taken off of the internet and off of social media. The ones I did in the states, obviously, they didn't care. They 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 kept theirs up. And uh, and one of these people was Laurel and Tyler Thompson, and, and uh, as well as Jen Smith had advertised that he was going to be doing an interview with him, but never it never happened. So they got us into court on short notice because of the fact that Jen was saying, you know, we're going to be doing this interview. And so I was holding down in front of another justice, Tamman, and he and he was furious because of the breaches. And and he was asking me, he goes, he, asked, he goes, Rob, why do you do it? And I said, well, because I'm doing what's in the best interest of my daughter. And that is getting the story out so that parents know what's going on, because parents don't know what's happening in the schools. That's right. by design. I mean, that's the whole purpose. And by the time parents find out what's going on, it's too late. They're at that stage where these children... Are at BC Children's Hospital and they're saying we're gonna do this no matter what you what you say. And, and I think by educating parents about what went on in the school behind my back that came out in all these court documents, that they can better navigate the public school system, understand, you know, don't allow counselors from the school to be counseling your child, you know, or their psychologist, If so you hear the name Dr. Wong, run, get your own, vet them. And and it's also created public awareness for people I don't think knew Really, this, how bad it was with the Soji one, two, three in the
0: school. For for listeners who don't know what it is, explain what SOGI is. So they, what it is, is it's essentially what they're doing in the schools is is they're infiltrating every part of the curriculum
1: with this. I call it confusing children into whether or not they are a male or a female. There's a spectrum where you can fit in. I mean, you can be anywhere on it, you can identify however you want, there's no such thing as a boy or a girl, it's just this big spectrum of whatever you want to be and they're confusing kids and and, and so kids are believing that they can be whatever they want to be and, and they're definitely targeting the vulnerable kids, in fact I've heard that they're almost, that they're essentially um, targeting kids already even before school to see which ones they think they can probably convince to want to do the transgender thing. Um, and want to change sex. I mean, it's, it's happening, like I said, even in the preschool, uh, in these schools. Um, and it's a brainwashing, it's an indoctrination, and parents, specifically in this program, it says that parents are not supposed to know what's going on, and they justify it by saying, well, if parents knew, they would try, you know, they, they, they would be harming their own children. So apparently the government is a better parent than we are, because if we got involved and said no, you know, you're a girl, we're going to deal with this appropriately. Um, regardless of what you're hearing in school, you have mental health issues or you're autistic or something. I mean, it's, 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 it's really bad. What's going on in, in the schools, what's happening with our children, what's going on behind parents' backs. And, and even though my daughter, uh, you know, is on these irreversible cross-sex hormones, I, I really felt that I didn't want other parents to go through what I had gone through. And, and I believe there are ways they could navigate the system because had I known what I know now, like I said, you know, I would not be using school counselors. I would not have let her see a Dr. Wallace Wong. I would have done things a lot differently because even though the schools are going behind your back and not telling you, there's still some telltale signs that you can see. Like if your daughter cuts her hair, she's probably watched that video. People now know there's a video out there that these kids are watching. and They're not just randomly doing this because they saw it on YouTube. Maybe some, but it's really the schools. And... And so uh, to me, educating parents is, is key.
0: So as a final question here, because I, I know there's a lot of parents going through what you're going through. I've, I've been contacted by and have talked to quite a few parents who are, who are experiencing what you've experienced. Um, not a lot of them dare to speak out publicly as you've been doing now. What would your advice be to all the parents who are listening? There's plenty of parents who still send their kids to public school. And I think that the, the commonality um, or the common thread, I should say, in what parents say when their kids embark on the path your daughter embarked on was that they had no idea and they're totally stunned. Even parents who are 100% on board with the LGBT agenda in theory are totally stunned when they find out it's their kid embarking on this. So based on your own experience, uh, the court documents you've read, the conversations you've had, what would your advice be to parents? These, these groups, that get
1: they'll get together to comfort each other and to work through things. Support group, that's the word I'm looking for. I know there's a lot of support groups out there that try and convince parents that they're doing the right thing by going ahead. When they when they come to that when they cross that final bridge where their child is about to or is getting cross sex hormones, they are told you have to, you know, grieve the death of your one child and and accept the birth of a new one. And and, and I've never done that. I've never grieved because they can't change my daughter into a boy.
0: Well, Robert, thank you so much for taking the time to, to share your story with us. Is there anywhere uh, the listeners or, and the viewers can find somewhere to follow your story as it unfolds? You know, I, I mean, I've been doing some media stuff. Uh, like I said, I'm
1: one of the co-founders of the Canis Foundation that I just mentioned. And yeah, I mean, it's, I have trouble for people to follow me because I constantly am being targeted. And every time I put something up, I've got legal letters and it gets taken down I've, I've had a go get funding page and every time I update it, you know go get funding gets contacted by all these lawyers and then my account gets suspended and and so it for me it actually is pretty difficult to to kind of keep ahead of it because because of the gag orders and stuff so I am being monitored to some degree but um but yeah no I mean there's there's ways I mean we're going to be back in court for criminal contempt of court charges I mean there'll be updates obviously coming up when, when some of that stuff happens as well and uh, and yeah and just follow what Derek Sloan is up to in this national inquiry I mean there's some exciting stuff
0: Well that's a good a good place to good place to leave it we really do appreciate you coming on and telling us your story
1: Yeah no thanks for having me on I mean I, I hope as many parents out there as possible understand what's going on because uh, they, they don't know what's going on. They're not supposed to. It's not their fault.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, that was my conversation with Robert Hoogland. Thank you so much for joining us this week. If you want to check out past shows, you can subscribe to this YouTube channel. You can uh, alert yourself if you want to listen to other shows. You can go back. You- and check out past shows uh, heading over to LifesightNews.com and clicking on the podcast tab. You can find past shows there. Or, of course, all these shows are uploaded to YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us this week, and we do hope that you'll join us again next week.